A reading from Isaiah. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and he cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it, don't, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and the people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines that he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. The word of the Lord. This is the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And he also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer, our light and our life. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord, Jesus Christ. So are you wondering, how worried should we be? 
These are undoubtedly some pretty challenging texts to wrestle with this week. And it's hard to mistake the passion in Jesus' words here. Fire, judgment, stress, division. It's hard at first to reconcile Jesus' words, strong words, spoken sharply by the one we have come to know as the Prince of Peace. Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. To understand what kind of fire Jesus is talking about, we first have to go back to the earlier parts of Luke's story. Remember his cousin, John the Baptist? That unusual character wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey? Well, at the very threshold of Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist was the voice crying out in the wilderness, announcing, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And if we go a little further back in the story to the passionate beginning of Jesus' life in the flesh, we might remember the words that Mary, pregnant with God's Son, sang as a song of praise when she went to visit Elizabeth. My soul magnifies the Lord. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. She knew the signs. She knew that God was doing something radically new and powerful. She knew that the world was about to turn. And as a woman of an oppressed people, she could not wait to welcome it. Her song is captured beautifully in the hymn canticle of the turning. My heart shall sing of the day you bring. Let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears for the dawn draws near and the world is about to turn. This fire of which Jesus speaks is a spirit fire, a passionate fire, a fire burning for justice on earth, that every beloved person may thrive as God intends. It's a fire that comes to cleanse, refine, and purify God's people and all of creation. In the art of pottery, Fire is an important and powerful element of the process. And if you will indulge me, I would like to paint an analogy. From the experience that I gained as a professional potter before I became a pastor. First, you have to form the clay and let it air dry completely. Then you have to fire it the first time in a firing called a bisque fire. 
And it's an essential firing because it radically changes the clay so completely in the blazing red-orange fire that it can never go back to its original state. Its chemical structure inside changes entirely at a point called quartz inversion, which happens at 1,064 degrees Fahrenheit. The clay turns from a slurry of earth minerals to a hard glass-like structure. But most importantly, this first bisque fire refines the clay body by allowing all kinds of impurities to be burned out of the clay. And these impurities gas off during the firing. And sometimes there's nasty destructive stuff burning off like sulfuric acid that can even etch the glass windows of the kiln shed. And once the first firing is complete, with all the impurities burned away and the pottery cooled down, it is ready. It is ready to accept the glaze coat made of earth minerals and heavy metal coloring oxides and water. Before the pottery is fired a second time in a firing that will melt the glaze to form a beautiful, shiny, colorful glass knit to the clay body underneath. Without this first firing to burn off the impurities in the clay, the final glaze coat would be ruined. Make no mistake, ceramic firing is a dramatic, permanently altering process that refines the stuff of earth, giving way to something new and beautiful. When I think about Jesus' passionate words about bringing fire to the earth, I wonder if we welcome it as wholeheartedly as did Mary and John the Baptist. We are, after all, by contrast to Mary and John, a privileged people living in a powerful and wealthy nation. Are we willing to be dramatically challenged and even radically changed by this Holy Spirit fire that Jesus brings? Do we welcome this refining fire that is powerful enough to drive off the stuff that harms us? A purifying fire that is powerful enough to be changing the world into something new and beautiful, that is changing us one heart at a time so that the whole world might know the fire of God's love and justice. Jesus brings this fire to cleanse us from that which is breaking God's heart. Injustice breaks God's heart. Division and building walls breaks God's heart. Turning away from our most vulnerable neighbors breaks God's heart. Not caring for the stranger in our land breaks God's heart. Misogyny, racism, narcissism, homophobia, oppression, white supremacy, and exploitation break God's heart. Open your eyes and look around. 
What do you see breaking God's heart? See, Jesus' passion is about the world's well-being. It's about communal transformation and wholeness. And it is urgent. We cannot continue in the ways of violence and dehumanization that has ravished this world for too long. Yet, change scares us. We are reluctant to re-examine our core values, assumptions, and illusions, digging in to discover the ways that our comfortable lives and our privilege have been made possible by complacency and sometimes ignorant participation in oppressive and unjust systems is an uncomfortable task. We don't want to be changed, and we do not willingly enter into the fiery kiln. This refining process is sometimes painful, even causing division among us, because it means that we have to reorder our priorities and change our ways. But I am absolutely convinced that there is good news in all of this, that we do not need to be worried. God's people, Israel, had been lovingly planted and tended as a vineyard, given everything by a just and loving God. And all that God required was that they yield good grapes, that they do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with their God. Yet they forgot who they were, and they yielded wild grapes. Instead of justice, they caused bloodshed. Instead of righteousness, they forgot about God and lived only for themselves. And yet, God still passionately loves this vineyard and finds ways again and again to redeem God's beloved people. When necessary, God chokes out the wild grapes and continues to refine the vineyard. Jesus came to bring fire because God makes no peace with injustice. Jesus came to break down walls and divide us from all that keeps us from living fully into the vision God has for us, a vision where justice and mercy and love are truly for all who inhabit the earth. Jesus came to redeem us that we might be the people God calls and sends us to be. Many chapters later in the book of Isaiah, we hear these words of comfort for God's people. Oh, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. He have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God has called us by name, claimed us, 
formed us, molding us into God's holy people, leading us safely through this refining fire. And when we pass through the waters of our baptism, God is with us and we are cleansed. And like a radiant glaze melted over earthly human clay form, we are clothed with Christ. And then in a baptism of fire, the Holy Spirit comes upon us to kindle the flames of justice and the fire of God's love, that we might continue to be molded and refined into something new and beautiful for the sake of the world. One of the writers for Christian Century, Hardy Kim, posed an important question this past week. How do we in our communities change together instead of being torn apart by conflict? And Kim went on to ponder the importance of face-to-face -face connection as essential for building relationships and trust, saying, as we try to share the peace that God alone can give, we might do more to give that peace a fighting chance. We can get out and connect with others, and at the risk of contradicting Jesus' message, resist the assumption that the conflict that comes with change cannot be overcome. It is God's Holy Spirit fire that will embolden us to reach out in the midst of conflict and build deep, even trusting relationships with one another, that we might find ways to work together for the sake of those crying out in our world today for justice and mercy. And that may seem like an impossible task these days when we are more divided than ever. But we do not do it on our own. One of my colleagues in this synod, Pastor Marilyn Lang, created and posted this powerful meme. And with her permission, I share it with you. The love of the one holding us together is stronger than whatever is tearing us apart. God is powerfully present with us, holding us and changing hearts. Let these words sink in deep and let hope grow in you. Trust that as God's fires of justice burn, grace makes possible that God's beloved vineyard will be fruitful, yielding only the finest grapes. Trust that God's refining and fiery love is powerfully present among us and is transforming the world. Let it be so.